0: unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for
1: listening, and enjoy the show.
2: A narrator says, and after centuries, God again speaks to man. Something like that, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. That's when it hit me, and I, I felt this incredible warmth, and I remember, not only was I crying, but I was sobbing, and I'm Next to my best friend, I don't even know these two cats, and I'm very embarrassed (laughs) trying to compose myself. And the wisdom of one of the missionaries, he looks at me and he says, Joe, what you're feeling is the influence of the Holy Ghost testifying to you that this is true. Will you be baptized? I'm like, yes.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Saints Unscripted. We are here today with Joe Metro, and and that is his real name, and it's a rock star name. What what did you tell me? It fits a few different categories:
2: comic book strip character, uh, sports analyst, and a superhero,
0: <laughs> and a superhero. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which one do you uh, feel the most? Oh, uh, sportscaster.
2: I'm a sports fan. Okay. <laughs> so. Which sports? Yes, all all <laughs> sports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. Good Love to know. Them all. Well, we're here with Joe today. Joe's going to be sharing his conversion story with us. So um, I I would say give us a little bit of background about yourself, but I think that that's kind of going to be the whole episode here is going to be background about you. So so I guess where do we start? Where where does your journey with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints begin? Maybe we can start there.
2: I'm from La Mirada, California, and I Mm. moved from La Mirada in the third grade to Downey for five years, which was really odd. I don't really know why, but looking back now, I think I know why, because when we moved back to my hometown, we moved into a home across the street and a couple doors down from a very large family who Mm. were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So that's where it all started, and I grew up in a home that's fairly religious. We were taught about God and Christ, but that was basically it. We didn't go to church. And if I were ever asked what faith I was, it was either Catholic or Christian, which we know is the same thing. I just didn't understand the difference that, and that there wasn't one. But I used to walk to school. I was in middle school at the time when we moved back to La Mirada to this new home. And I noticed a young man that was from this family walking with me, we'd walk to and from and very quiet, probably the shyest person I've ever met. And so I'm not. And so I would reach out, we'd talk and we became friends. And and that's that's the first connection I had to the church. That's middle school. That's middle school, correct.
0: So is this friend the person who's gonna be really introducing you to the yes. church? Yes. What happened?
2: So we played basketball together. And I, I know he's watching this, but he's he, I considered him a lousy basketball player. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Scott. And It's the first I,
1: time he's finding out.
2: <laughs> I think by the grace of God, he made the team so that we could get to know each other because we spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, despite the fact that he didn't say much, his example shouted at me. He got straight A's. He obeyed his parents. He didn't swear, and I did. Um, and, you know, he he didn't do a lot of things that I was doing that were wrong. And so I noticed, especially looking back, thinking about the situation, I noticed I wanted to become like him. And so that's how it got started. And it for him to invite me to an activity, it was mutual. I remember he, he's really quiet, and he kind of mumbled. He says, do you want to go to mutual? Mm. I'm like, speak up his last name is speakman and i'd say (laughs) speak man and and he said do you want to go to mutual i'm like what's that and he told me what it was and i said yeah let's go so when i got to mutual i noticed friends from school that i knew who were members of this church and some of the best people at my school and i wasn't the most popular guy i knew people because of playing sports but i was just a regular joe but i made that correlation i'm like okay there may be something to this because I know these kids from school and I knew them better than Scott at the time. And I'm like, okay. And again, it wasn't conscious at the time, but it was definitely something that had some teeth, if you will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You see this group of people and you just want to be like them. Yeah, Yeah.
2: that's exactly right. Well, especially looking at my own conduct. I know I I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a felon, uh, but my, I knew my parents had hoped that I'd, you know, would, would be better. And so, I was thinking, maybe this is my chance.
0: So what's the next step?
2: So I go to Mutual and then Scott mumbles again, yeah, you want to be in a road show, what's that? Okay, yeah, I'll be in a road show. And if you don't know what that is, yeah, it's, t- a, tell them it's what it is. a traveling <laughs> seven to eight minute show that the ward makes the set and the costumes and makes up the lyrics to the music. And then you start at one building, you do your show and then you travel to another building in the stake and then you go to a third. And so it's a road show and it was really fun. And so I did that. And then finally, he gets up the courage to ask me to go to seminary, and I'm like, "What is that? That sounds ominous." I don't think I used that word then. I didn't know that word, but I, <laughs> I'm like, "What's that?" And he said, "Well, it's no, it's just a class every morning before school where we learn about God." And I'm like, "Okay." And and I haven't been to church yet, so I probably surprised a lot of people that I started going to seminary before I even went to the building. Yeah. So that's what happened. So next. He finally gets up the courage to ask me to take the missionary discussions. And I asked again, you know, what are those? Mm-hmm. And he, he tells me and I said, okay, I have to ask my mother. And I went to my mother and she could already see a huge change. I stopped swearing almost immediately because I felt very comfortable doing it. I mean, I used words like conjunctions, right? And I, and I stopped and that was a miracle And But my mother saw some really awesome changes, so she said, yeah, you can take the missionary discussion. So I did, and that's where really great things started to happen.
0: It it sounds to me like your affiliation with the church thus far had been uh, your friends are there, you're doing things that you enjoy there maybe. When you started talking with the missionaries, was that kind of the first time like the teachings or the doctrine really hit you, or when did that happen? Well, or did it happen?
2: It did happen in seminary I remember learning to sing the books of the Old Testament to a hymn. And so I I'm learning this stuff and I'm feeling something, but it was in the very first missionary discussion where I had a profound experience that I'll share that really indicated to me that this was something that I needed to be part of.
1: Okay, right before you do that, I have a I have a thought. So A lot of times I think when people have conversion stories where they kind of like explore something and then right before they get baptized or whatever, then they tell their family. And a lot of times um, it sounds like it's hard for the families to like be good with that until like, and then maybe later they'll see a change in people's personality. But I think that it's just really cool that in your story, that personality change happened, like kind of like the proof happened before you even asked and... It, like, makes it so much easier for your for your parents to then be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I just think that's really cool. I, like, I wish that that was more people's experience, that people that are kind of, like, holding them back can see the change first. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so what happened to you in this so, discussion?
2: It was kind of fun because at the time I was 15. And here now I'm meeting these two missionaries for the first time. I had not been to church yet. And my best friend Scott's with me. We're at the church in the overflow behind the chapel. And when we walked in, they had a 35-millimeter projector set up. And, you know, punk kid, 15, I'm thinking, sweet movies. I love movies, <laughs> you know. And I had no idea what I was in for. But we sat down, and they I think they had Scott say the opening prayer. And then they just started teaching about Jesus Christ and about prophets and about him establishing his church and then talked about an apostasy after his death and resurrection. And then they fast forwarded to 1820 and they said, you know, we want to teach you about a boy named Joseph Smith, who was 14 years old. And then one of them stopped and said, wait, how old are you? And your name's Joseph. And we kind of laughed about that connection, if Mm -hmm. you will. But they taught me the story of, of the first vision. At the end, they asked me, could this be true? And I answered, yeah, it could be. And they said, well, we want you to pray about it. We're going to teach you how we pray and then we want you to pray about it and find out for yourself which i thought was really sound counsel so they finished and wrapped up the lesson then they turned up the lights and started this film and i'm watching the film you know i'm enjoying it. it's about 30 minutes and at the very end of the film this was the Stuart peterson version they portrayed him after the first vision getting up and he grabbed a couple articles of clothing maybe a hat and a vest or coat And he runs across this meadow, and then music comes on. It's the very end. And a narrator says, and after centuries, God again speaks to man. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing.
1: Uh
2: That's when it hit me, and I I felt this incredible warmth. And I remember not only was I crying, but I was sobbing. And I'm next to my best friend. I don't even know these two cats, and I'm very embarrassed, (laughs) trying to compose myself. And, you know, they, they... turn on the lights and they stop the projector and start rewinding it very obnoxious, but I am <laughs> really trying to hold, hold this in and it's very difficult. And the wisdom of one of the missionaries, he looks at me and he says, Joe, what you're feeling is the influence of the Holy ghost testifying to you that this is true. Will you be baptized? And I'm like, yes. And then, you know, and then I, I stopped and I said, I, I have to talk to my parents, you know, My parents were separated at the time I lived with my mother and I think my brother and my one of my sisters. So but I I immediately knew that it was true and that this is a a path that I wanted to follow.
1: Wow.
0: That's that's impactful.
1: Yeah. I mean having been a missionary it often doesn't happen where somebody will commit to baptism in the first lesson. So that that's Or be
0: asked, right? Well they'll ask all the time. But, yeah, it sounds like it was, it was a, a great experience for you and the missionaries, I'm yeah. sure. So you talked to your parents. How did they take the news? So I went
2: home to my mother, and she was in a wheelchair at the time. Actually, she was bedridden. She had uh, gotten polio as a child. She was three before the vaccination was available and oh. endured. She was in an iron lung for a year. She had surgeries on her legs and was on crutches most of her, her life. Doctors told her not to have children. She had seven children, which was amazing. It, it definitely taxed her body, and wow. she smoked for probably forty years, so she had emphysema at the time. She was on oxygen. So I, I went into her room, and I remember sitting in her wheelchair, and I could pop wheelies and hold wheelies, you know. And I said, <laughs> "Mom, can I get baptized?" And she said, "What?" And I I told her what had happened, and she said, "Well, I you know I've got to think about this, you know." And so she did, and. I don't know when it was, later that day or the next couple of days, she called me into her room and she said, sit down, Joey, and I did, and she gave me the best counsel she possibly could have given me. She said, I'll give you permission to get baptized on one condition, and that is, if you do it, do it right. Do not join this church and in three or six or nine months or a year, come tell me you're quitting. If that's the case, you, know, you, you can't, but if you'll make a lifelong commitment, it's okay, and she said, I've talked to your father there. They, they got along enough that they communicated and and he gave me his permission as well. So it was really cool. Scott is about five months older than I. His birthday is in July. So they waited long enough for him to turn 16 and be ordained a priest. And on July 29th, 1978, we descended into a font and he performed the ordinance. And, and wow. most of my family came. I think there were couple of uh, my siblings that couldn't make it but it was really awesome
0: so how long after you accepted the invitation to be baptized were you actually baptized? i
2: think it was a couple months i think they you know okay. it could have been quicker but they yeah. wanted scott to perform the ordinance yeah. So. yeah
1: but you did commit to baptism before you ever went to church yeah wow yeah, yeah.
0: so how was that learning curve <laughs> by the way well
2: i have a, a an opinion on that see i think we knew a lot of it before we came. So in my case, it wasn't learning it. I think the veil slowly has been parted for me because, again, that that's my opinion of the preexistence. We learn a lot of this stuff, and we do go through a veil. But as a Gentile, right, who joined the church at 15, I, I never felt like I was a sponge, like I'm learning all this stuff. I just think it was just there. and
0: You were being reminded yeah. of it almost. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's but so I picked it up quick. I, you know, I knew where I should be every week. I think one time after I joined the church, and I still feel terrible about this. But I, um, a neighbor, invited me skiing on a weekend, and it was a Sunday, and I decided to go. And uh, <laughs> I still feel guilty about it. it. Shows you how powerful that was. And but no, my mother's counsel to do, you know, what she committed me to do, and that is. To go every week and to be completely involved uh, was just sound, sound counsel. And I've done so for now 43 years.
0: It yeah. really is amazing counsel because I feel like a lot of parents might say, I don't want you to, but you can. But, you know, in six months, you're going to be bored with it. and, and don't they're come crawling back to
1: me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just seem like a lot of the time, they just seem okay with them you know, falling away and returning to whatever, you know, they were involved in before. But that's cool that your mom was like, no, if you're going to do it,
1: yeah. you're going to
0: stick with it. Yeah. You're going to be committed. And you were. You, you served a mission, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh,
2: go ahead. So I was just going to say, after my baptism, I, I learned of every, about everything as far as being an Aaronic priesthood holder, right? The teacher's responsibilities to care for the church etc cetera, etc cetera. so i remember the Elderscorn quorum president calling me over and extending a call to be a home teacher and talking to me about priesthood mm-hmm. interviews and and i all of that i've carried with me to this day i received a patriarchal blessing maybe five or six months after my baptism and the patriarch didn't know me he he was in a different ward and i, I remember going over there fasting i was counseled to fast mm-hmm. and during that blessing and I, I have about have my blessing memorized, that's how much I cherish it. But one of the things he said was that if I were true and faithful, the day would come and my whole family would join the church. And I remember twitching, you know, he, this guy doesn't know my family. You know, he doesn't know really anything about us, and that that's quite a promise, and that, that would truly be miraculous. And when I was first baptized, I was really, really zealous. I, I talk to my friends at school and all of my family and uh i was fortunate to bless a couple friends from from my high school but most people rebuffed me and that's mm-hmm. typical and it was evident to me and i don't think it was conscious but subconsciously the spirit said just live it don't be a zealot right other than you know shouting with your actions and your example just so like that's that
1: guy did that yeah your friend scott, my friend right? scott yeah, yeah. oh
2: and we're still best friends, and he's he's amazing. He's
1: mm-hmm. he's
2: awesome. So,
0: not very good at basketball.
2: Though. No, it, but he's real strong. <laughs> he's a lot better looking than I am. I'm, I'm trying to dig out of this guy. <laughs> so, um, my uh, my sister, who's you know, I'm really close to, she's a, about two years older than I. She started dating Scott's brother mm. right after right as they were graduating high school. And they got serious and he proposed and he invited her to take the lessons and I you know, again, I wasn't involved in that much at all. And he baptized her and then they've been sealed in the temple. So that was one. So I'm thinking about this blessing. I'm like, okay, maybe there's some truth to this, right? And mm-hmm. and I did believe what he said. I just You know, I I would never force it on any of my family and and did not do so. And then uh, I knew I was going to go on a mission before I was baptized. Having that experience, I knew that I wanted to go out and share with others what I felt and what I knew to be true. So I prayed, being from East L.A. County in Los Angeles, I prayed for three and a half years that God would send me somewhere Spanish speaking. I loved the language. I used to talk to my Hispanic friends in English with a Spanish accent, you know, that's how much I wanted to learn the language. And uh, so the fall of 1981, I received my mission call. And I remember racing into my mother's room, sat in her wheelchair again, and now her health is really deteriorated. She's Mm -hmm. not well. And I said, Hey, I've got my mission call. And I remember putting it up to my chest like this. And I said, oh, mom, I just hope it's Spanish-speaking. And she's real practical. She said a little swear word and said, just open it. It's not going to change where you're going. And I, and I laughed. I said, you're right. So I opened it up. And, you know, Elder Joseph James Metro III, you're hereby called to labor as a missionary in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Another line or two, you're hereby called to labor in the Bolivia Santa Cruz Mission. And I got really excited. And then I looked at my mother and asked, where's Bolivia? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Argentina, Peru, Chile. You know, I would have known, but I'd never heard of Bolivia. And she didn't know either. And she was pretty bright. So our internet back in the day was an encyclopedia. And she said, go get it. <laughs> and I did and looked it up. And it said, you know, primary language is Spanish. I'm i I'm Quechua. So I started crying. So did she. And, mm. and then she said, call the missionaries over. And we had sister missionaries in our ward. And I said, okay. And, and so they came over sometime later that day or the next day. And I helped her get in her wheelchair, put on her mobile oxygen. And I wheeled her out and we're talking and told the sisters about my call. And we're all, you know, really excited about it. I'd been teaching with them, you know, helping in the ward because yeah. I was memorizing the discussions, et cetera. So at the end of this, like a good missionary would, Sister Jeannie Wynn, Sister Wynne, looked at my mother and said, Peggy, is there anything we can do for you? And my mother s- s- thought for just a couple of seconds, and she said, yeah, I'd like to take the discussions. And I said, what? Uh, I, you know, I hadn't been asking. I hadn't been pushing. And she just, she knew. And she, I think, seeing my life change and my sister, especially my sister, is a really... Christ-like person and I think that had a big effect so anyway right there I get to teach my mother who brought me into this world the first discussion with these good sister missionaries and uh, at the end they they challenged her to be baptized and she agreed and the sisters left and I said mom you know you gonna have to quit smoking right and she says I know Joey I'm working on it and so that was I don't remember that was September I think. I went into the MTC December 2nd, uh, November 21st I with the help of my brother-in-law I carried my mother into a font and baptized her. Which was a phenomenal way to start a mission. It was
1: yeah.
2: um it was amazing. So
0: Wow. Wow. So now you've been a bishop twice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't
2: get it right either time. It'll probably happen a third time. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. <laughs> Bless you for that. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. It's just so. That's a tough well. If calling. anyone
2: aspires to it, they deserve it.
0: <laughs> All right. You know, what? I think that that's. I don't know if that's a good advice or not. Well,
2: no, I, I don't. I don't counsel people to aspire to it. But I will say this about the calling: it is one of the greatest opportunities in the church because it's where the rubber hits the road. It's it is. you know, a bishop is a common judge in Israel who helps people right their ships and to you know turn things around and it was a very significant experience for me and uh so yeah it it was a lot of work but rewarding yeah can i share one more thing sure please do so you know this promise about my whole family coming into the church really has weighed on me my whole life because the the stipulation is Joseph, if you are true and faithful, the day will come, right? So, mm-hmm. I really felt that responsibility while I was. A couple things happened during my mission and after that I like to share. So, when I left, my mother was not well. She she had emphysema, and that's that's a pretty serious ailment. She did quit smoking to join the church. I think my older brother told me occasionally she'd sneak one right after she joined, and I'm like, I'm sure God <laughs> it's a, will it's forgive an her. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> it is. So my mission was cut by six months while I was out. In general conference of nineteen eighty two, the Prophet decided and, and announced that missions for young men would be shortened from two years to eighteen months. It was a trial that mm-hmm. they they ran. And so if you weren't out a year that conference of eighty two, you had no choice. So oh. I, I just lost six months. And, you know, I, I wasn't upset. I hoped I could stay, but I raised my arm to the square. right And so i had I, I was about in my 16th month i was training a, a missionary in a little town without a phone on the southern tip of bolivia and one night after we had our companionship prayer i'm kneeling by my bed and i'm offering a personal prayer and praying that elder farron will you know learn spanish praying for our investigators and the leaders of the branch and our, our leaders in the mission and, and the brethren and so on my, And my then i turned to my family thinking and praying of them and praying for my mother and I had an impression to pray that God would take my mother home because she was really ill. She wasn't well. And so at the conclusion of that prayer, I got up and laid in bed and looked at the dark ceiling thinking, that's the strangest thing I've ever prayed for. You know, I yeah. but I, you know, felt I had the spirit and I ultimately fell asleep, woke up six thirty in the morning, we're getting ready about 9.15, I distinctly remember putting on my tie and someone knocked on the door and I looked at my companion and we, I, you know, I'm not thinking of anything other than no one knocks on missionaries' doors. <laughs> We're always doing the knocking <laughs> and we laughed together and I answered and this little Bolivian said, Metro, you know? I said, yeah, that's me and he says, this is for you and it was a yellow envelope and I opened it and it was from our zone leaders saying, you know, get your passports, find a member to drive you into Aguas Blancas, Argentina, where there was a phone and call the mission office. So, again, I'm not thinking of anything at this point other than maybe You're in trouble? <laughs> my mission president's going to come visit our you know, branch. I don't know. So we do all that. I call the mission office and the secretary answers, puts president on the phone. And the first thing he says is, I am oh, there. He's from Argentina. And, but he would never talk to me in Spanish. I loved his brown to Spanish you know the Argentines they speak with a very beautiful Italian type accent but he spoke very good English and anyway he says oh elder and I said president I think I know why I'm calling my mother passed away didn't she and he starts crying and 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 I'm I'm fairly composed and you'll know why in a second so he said how did you know and I was able to relate this experience that I'd had the night before and Really a beautiful experience. And parenthetically, I'll say that the Holy Ghost fulfills many roles, right? He testifies. He comforts us. He brings things back to our remembrance. He also will help us anticipate things, right, in ministering to others. I know when it went from home teaching to ministering, I prayed for a few months to know how best to do that. And what I learned was, for me personally, it's to pray for my families or individuals that I'm responsible for every day, remember their birthdays and then anticipate their needs and let you know let the spirit help me to know when they need help. So Uh anyway, so I, I told him what happened and and then some really amazing things happened during this phone call that I think are worthy of of sharing. He said the brethren in Salt Lake City have said you can go home for the funeral. You have six weeks left. He said the bad news is you can't come back. It's very expensive. And so, you know, that's up to you to decide. And I know I had the spirit with me because as if he were the prophet, I said, President Mahome, what do you counsel me to do? And he said, I'm really glad you asked. I've been thinking and praying about this. And he said, do you remember when the savior invited a man to come follow him? And the man said, I will, but my father died. I need to bury my father. And do either of you remember what he said?
0: It said, "Let the dead bury the dead." Right? Come,
2: follow me. Let Come the dead bury me. the dead. And you know that was a it was a sore point for some of my family, and I completely understood that. You know, a couple of my siblings weren't happy, and I I totally understand. But uh, he said the following: He said, "You're training a new missionary, and he needs you. You've got people there still to teach and baptize." I feel is what he said, and that was true. He said, "Your family will ultimately come to understand. Certainly, your mother understands. So, I I counsel you to stay." So I said, "You know, tell my family I love them, and and uh, I'm staying." And so that's what I did. You know, to kind of wrap this all up, I uh, I came home, and my older brother, who was a born again Christian, we were really close. We Talk sports all the time. We talk New Testament. He knew the New Testament very, very well. And before he passed away, he asked for his temple work to be done and said he only didn't join the church because he couldn't quit smoking. He was a Vietnam veteran and served well there. And then my father also, before he died, asked for his temple ordinances to be done. So those are done. My parents are sealed together. My sister and I and my deceased brother, Jim, were all sealed to my parents. And I have three sisters and a brother who aren't members, and that's totally fine. I never push it. Uh, If they ever decide to find out about it, I'll be more than happy to share it with them. But I love them, and we're very close. And I'm just really grateful for the role the gospel has played in my life to help me understand where I came from, who I am, why I'm here, where I'm going. And the most important thing is to develop a Christ-like life and to follow the Savior and to do the things that he did and does he still lives so he's doing some great things as he leads our church through president nelson and i just i love it i'm i'm filled with joy and
0: so grateful wow thanks for that joe yeah
1: thank
0: you one last question before we let you go there might be a lot of viewers watching right now who are maybe currently in the position that you were back when you were 15, when they've got a friend that's a member of the church and their curiosity is piqued maybe by what we believe or what we stand for. Um, Maybe their parents aren't very supportive of them learning more. Maybe they're nervous to learn more. What what advice would you have for them as they're just kind of taking a, a cursory look at our faith? Well,
2: I would say this. Our responsibility as missionaries is not to convert, is to invite. The Savior didn't convert anybody, the Spirit did. Certainly His miracles had an impact, but miracles really are, are wonderful, yet if we rely on them, then the basic doctrines of the Church and the, the Scriptures may take less of an important role when in fact they should be primary. What I suggest is that as difficult as it might be, is to, to open our mouths and invite, and at the same time letting your friends know that they can know for themselves. That's what I learned in my process. My friend Scott did not say, you know, join the church because I know it's true. They, He and the missionaries were able to help me learn to pray and to find out for myself. And I received my own witness, and that is what is key to my belief in conversion is that we know for ourselves as independent witnesses apart from anyone else.
0: That's great. It's really important because the experiences that you've had that have led you to this point, they're yours. They're not anybody else's. And, and I'm going to have different experiences than you that may speak to me in a different way than yours have to you. And, and so, yeah, it's really important that, that we seek those out and, and we, we recognize them for what they are. I think is really important.
1: Thank you so much for coming. Sabrina, Actually, David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I yeah. really
2: enjoyed it. So, yeah. Do you want
1: to leave them with a tongue twister since he's an auctioneer?
2: Betty bought her, bought some butter, but she said this butter is bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bitter, better butter, put it in her bitter, batter, made her bitter, 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 bitter. So it is better, Betty butter butter bitter, better, butter.
0: I think I heard like a, <laughs> did you say butt cheek in there? No. no. I heard butt cheek. Anyways, that was not speaking in tongues, but it was something akin to it, I think. I think auctioneers (laughs) have that gift. Anyways, thank you, Joe, for being here. Thank you for joining us.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Con, anything. And bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.